They took 6,000 people and it was done by the Harvard University and it followed them over generations. And it actually set out to try to show that the, this, that the dietary guidelines of 77 were correct, you know, like, well, they came later. But, you know, those basic guidelines of low-fat, high-carb diets, but over all those years they could never show that. So one of the directors, Dr William Castelli, after, you know, a period of time looking at all these results, he came out and said, well, it appears that the more fat people eat and the less that they try to go on these low-calorie diets, that their health actually is better and they live longer with less cardiovascular illness. So the next study that came out, because the people, they obviously looked at that and went, no, they didn't look at enough interventions. They should have looked at other things because they were so hell-bent on getting the results that they wanted. So it was the MRFIT study, um, and that was looking at multiple risk factors. They took 360,000 people. So these were not small studies. They reduced their saturated fats by 28%, and what were the results? There was no increase in heart disease and there was no decrease in heart disease. So the saturated fats was not the thing that was causing the strokes and the heart attacks. This is the Diabetes Freedom Podcast, proudly brought to you by purenutrients.com, the type 2 diabetes specialists. Here we discuss the latest science to treat, prevent, and reverse type 2 diabetes naturally so you can reclaim your health for a long, healthy and happy life. Pat Ridley, Sue Ridley here, Diabetes Freedom, Episode 10. Suzanne, how are you this morning? Good morning once again. I'm feeling great. Well, it's that topic that we've been building up for some time that I'm really excited to do. We're going to talk about dietary fats, and I know you're excited about it as well. Certainly am. This is a, um, a very big and much misunderstood topic. So let's start with what, what is the, the big fat myth that is out there? Where's all this confusion? Well, let's put it really simply. The confusion is that fat in your diet causes cardiovascular disease. And by that, we mean heart attacks and strokes. There's also the confusion that fat makes you fat. And we're going to explore both of those issues. And so it might be a silly question, but like, why is this important? Why is it important for somebody listening to know that this is a myth? Well, it's important because people for decades have been trying to eliminate these healthy fats from their diet. And when you do that, you're replacing it with carbohydrates and sugars and we can see the result of that. We haven't decreased our longevity. Well, we have increased our longevity, but not in a healthy way. People are suffering more chronic illness. Heart disease is still prevalent. The obesity epidemic has taken over and, and led to the, you know, the type 2 diabetes and increased Alzheimer's. You know, we really need to look at the very cause of these and take that focus off fats and point at where it really belongs. Otherwise, we can't resolve these issues. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, if, you're, if you're pointing the finger 
at you know, the so-called culprit, but it has absolutely really nothing to do with it, then you're letting the, the real bad guy go under the radar. That's absolutely right, yeah. And the thing is, too, that what people don't realise is that, that fats have so many fantastic positive elements to your health. They, it is an essential macronutrient and it just has so many benefits and without it, you can't survive. And let's also not forget that you know, the, the Western countries are obsessed with weight loss and you find that most people are fixated on these low-fat diets, thinking that this is what's going to help them lose weight. But you know, when they remove all the fat out of these foods, they lose all their flavor and they end up just packing them full of sugar, which is what we know to be the, the number one contributor to gaining weight. So, all right, let's dive right into this and let's figure out, like, how did this actually happen? If it's not true, how have we come all this way, even still today, believing that dietary fats are the, the number one for weight gain and cardiovascular disease? Well, it goes back to the studies that were done by Dr. Ansel Keys, and he published his results in 1958. So that's going back a long while. And in it, he, it was called the Seven Country Study. Now, unfortunately, we have to mention that Dr. Key's labs had been funded by the sugar industry since the 1940s. And so no doubt, you know, there was a little bit of bias that was going on. So if we looked at what he actually did, he actually studied 22 countries, but he cherry-picked called, it's really called selection bias. So he picked seven countries. And from those countries, he got the results that he really was after. And in it, he vilified saturated fats and he said that they caused heart disease. Had he chosen some of his other countries, countries that actually had high fat diets but had low cardiovascular disease and also countries that had low fat but had high cardiovascular disease, his results would have been exactly the opposite. And so from this, there was the, the lipid hypothesis came about, and that's still present in our current medical knowledge, and we just simply can't seem to debunk it and get rid of it. And from that lipid hypothesis, the dietary guidelines of 1977 came about, and in these guidelines, people were told to decrease saturated fats and increase their carbohydrates. And we know what the result of that was. From there, obesity started to soar, followed by type 2 diabetes, followed by more chronic illness, Alzheimer's. And we're still following that same path. And we need to really look at it and debunk this forever. So this guy, Dr. Ansel Keys, really, he's, you know, he's one of the main contributors to what we're seeing today. You know, the fact that he was receiving money from big sugar to basically falsify the data that he had from his research, and that's led to the pandemic scale of dietary illness from what he purported. And gee, it's pretty amazing that one guy could have such sway over the mass populations on the planet. So I know he was clashing heads with Yudkin, uh, who was basically, he was the guy saying that sugar is the, is the, is the um, what, what was his book? Um, pure, white, and deadly. He was saying that sugar is the main culprit. 
And then Ansel Keys basically did a smear campaign against him and made him like a laughing stock. Yeah, what a shame because Yudkin, he had the answers back then and, and it all just got buried. They absolutely, as you said, they absolutely destroyed that man. And I think it was partly being funded, it was the fact that it was funded by the sugar industry, but it was also, and this is what you see, it's ego, that people have to have the answers, they want to be right, and anybody else they will, you know, it's that, that type of personality type and there's a lot of ego involved. Yeah, once he was invested in that, you know, and I guess he was a, a powerful man and he had a reputation, so he went after Yudkin hardcore. So he did, but one thing I, I would like to point out that was Ansel Keys, because he was living in the Mediterranean countries doing his research, and he did point out the fact that monounsaturated fats, that's like your olive oils and your avocado, and a Mediterranean diet, he recognised that they actually did decrease cardiovascular illness. But unfortunately, that got lost. So that when I was growing up in the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, people were avoiding all fats at all cost. And that included avocados, which we all know now is a superfood, and people were not using olive oils. The dripping and lard that people used to use, they were just thrown out and everyone said, oh, you can't have those. I can recall my sister who became quite obsessed about the idea of fats and she was making an omelette so she separated the eggs, threw out the yolk, only cooked with the whites, and she cooked that in water. She was, that was how strong the avoidance of fats was in that time. And so nowadays, the emphasis really is over saturated fats. So, and that has stemmed from this seven country study. But what other studies are there to show the contrary, to show that this was just a fabrication? You know, what, what are the facts here? Well, let's have a look at the Framingham study. It's one that often comes up because it's one of the biggest studies that were ever done. It started in 1948. They took 6,000 people and it was done by the Harvard University and it followed them over generations. And it actually set out to try to show that the, this, that the dietary guidelines of 77 were correct, you know, like, well, they came later. But, you know, those basic guidelines of low-fat, high-carb diets, but over all those years, they could never show that. So one of the directors, Dr. William Castelli, after a, you know, a period of time looking at all these results, he came out and said, well, it appears that the more fat people eat and the less that they try to go on these low-calorie diets, that their health actually is better and they live longer with less cardiovascular illness. So... The next study that came out, because the people, they obviously looked at that and went, no, they didn't look at enough interventions. They should have looked at other things because they were so hell-bent on getting the results that they wanted. So it was the MRFIT study, um, and that was looking at multiple risk factors. They took 360,000 people. So these were not small studies. They reduced their saturated fats by 28%. And what were the results? There was no increase in heart disease and there was no decrease in heart disease. So the saturated fats was not the thing that was causing the strokes and the heart attacks. So one of the people that I really like to quote is Dr. Zoe Harkham, and she worked as an obesity researcher 
she went and she looked at the data from the 1980s. She wanted to see where did these low-fat guidelines come from? And after studying all of this data from the 80s, she found there was no proof ever existed that ordinary dietary fat led to heart disease. You know, that's very powerful to hear that. And yet we are still going down the same path. Another study, and this is, you know, been published by the Cochrane Database, and a lot of you will know that is the gold standard. It was done by Hooper et al. And they looked at the reduction in saturated fat intake and how it affected heart disease. They looked at 15 randomised controlled studies with 59,000 people. Look at, looked at what happened when they reduced their saturated fats and they found that there were no statistically significant effects of reducing saturated fat in regard to heart attack, stroke and all deaths. And that's published by the Cochrane Review. You know, like, how much proof do we really need? And that one's quite recent. So that was 2015. That's right, 2015. Yet, you know, with this information, you know, obviously it doesn't make its way into the media and it doesn't make its way into our foods really on the supermarket shelves and you still have low-calorie and uh, low-fat uh, focus. So, yeah, it's, it's a shame, isn't it? I mean, like, what else can you do? <laughs> you know, you, you, how many, I mean, there's more studies than that. You know, in our, in our program, we, we dedicate a whole module to this topic, and there are way, way more um, examples than this. So clearly, we don't need more studies, but <laughs> there's something else, I don't know what it is. I think it has to come from the grassroots again. It has to come from the people, and then we have to start living it and then sharing our experience. And that's right, Patrick. And we don't even need studies. We've just got to look around the world. And, and you've, you've got examples everywhere. You know, you had the Inuit people who basically a lot of their diet came from whale fat. And they had, until they adopted, sadly, they adopted the Western diet, until that time they had no heart disease. You look at the Maasai tribes and their diet was basically blood, milk and, and animal fat. And once again, no evidence of any heart disease. The Okinawans, high fat diet with lots of antioxidants though and they are one of the longest living people in the world. You know, how much more do you need? Okay, so... We've established you know, where this myth has come from. So in effect, it's big, the big sugar, which is funny because you know, we pinpoint sugar as being the, the, the worst thing for diabetes anyway. But now we're seeing that it was actually the, the big sugar industries that, that pushed all this from the beginning. We now know that the science shows that it's wrong and that's for anybody to see. Now, let's go into a bit about like what, what fats there are. So can you briefly explain what a fat is and the different types? Okay, so all fats comprise of fatty acids and glycerol. So all, all fats are basically this, comprised of the same thing. They're all fatty acids and glycerol. But the difference in the way they are, so the difference between saturated fats, monounsaturated fats, and essential fatty acids is the presence of double bonds. 
Saturated fats, they're the most stable fats. They're the ones that tolerate heat the best. They have no double bonds. A monosaturated fat, that's like your avocado, olive oil, they have one double bond. Your essential fatty acids, so these are polyunsaturated fats, they have multiple double bonds. So, and the, the difference between that is the stability of the fat, how it acts in your system, and how well it is or how much it is open to oxidation. We've talked about oxidation a lot and how that increases inflammation and free radicals. So I'd like to give you an analogy that made it very clear in my own mind. Like I came across this and I thought, that's really great. If you imagine a, a dining room table with chairs all around it, so with a saturated fat, there's somebody sitting at every chair. So we have nowhere for oxygen to come in and, and have a seat. If I can put it like that. With a monounsaturated fat, there is one chair vacant. So that chair is your double bond. And oxygen can come in and just sit at that one chair. When you have a polyunsaturated fat, such as your essential fatty acids, so in the case of omega-3, your first double bond is the third chair from the head of the table, and then it has other double bonds. The the omega-6 fatty acid, it's the sixth chair from the head of the the table where the first double bond is. And these essential fatty acids, they're more open to oxidation. There's more chairs vacant that oxygen can come and sit down at and oxidise. But they still are essential for life. The body can make all its fats, but it can't make these essential fatty acids. That's the omega-3 and omega-6. We have to get them from food. But we also have to understand is the balance of them and how we should be eating them. So going back to our saturated fats, these are the fats that everybody is hell-bent on avoiding. And I want to give you just some of the functions. I want to show you how essential they are to your health. Firstly, they're a concentrated energy source. When you eat them, they slow down the emptying of the stomach, therefore slowing down your blood sugar release and they stave off hunger. They are present in every cell membrane. Without them, you can't have cells. They're just going to all fall apart, basically. They are essential for the absorption of your fat-soluble vitamins. This is your vitamin A, your vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K, and also your minerals. Without those, you can't absorb these essential fat-soluble vitamins. These uh, saturated fats are the preferred fuel for your heart. In times of stress, the heart calls upon these fats that surround the heart. They increase your lung function. You need these fats in the little little sacs in your lungs, the alveoli. You need fats for proper nerve signaling and for strong immunity. So can you imagine what's happening when we keep trying to eliminate these essential saturated fatty acids out of our diet? Yeah, it's amazing how saturated fats are seen as the bad guy, yet they offer so much for our health. So I hope everybody listening can start to feel better about consuming saturated fat. I would like to talk a bit more about the omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. You've said that they are essential, so our body cannot produce them, so we do need them for survival. But I understand that we need to have them in 
a healthy balance. And when they are out of balance, this is where we see a lot of the problems with inflammation. So let's firstly look at omega-3 fatty acids and where they're found. So just so you know what I'm talking about. So maybe it's fatty fish, seaweed, algae, some flax seeds, nuts. It's in some vegetables, but not easily absorbed from those. Then our omega-6 fatty acids, they're found once again in flaxseed and nuts, primrose oil, and the big one, vegetable oils. So as we were talking, we, we need both of these type of fatty acids, but we need them in the correct balance. So if we go back to uh, the caveman days, the balance of or the, the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acids was one-to-one. What are we seeing now? We're basically seeing a ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 of 16 omega-6 to 1 omega-3 and sometimes even more. And largely, this is because of the, well, it's all about the way we're eating, but a lot of it is our increased consumption of vegetable oils. We've gotten rid of the saturated fat, the butter, the coconut oil, the monounsaturated olive oil. We replaced it with vegetable oils. And we're going to look at that a bit further. So here we have an imbalance in our essential fatty acids. And why does that matter? It matters because the pathways that these essential fatty acids go down when they're being processed is different. So the omega-3 fatty acids have an anti-inflammatory action, whereas your omega-6 fatty acids follow a pro-inflammatory, which is okay when they're in balance. But when they're out of balance, what we're finding is increased inflammation in the body. And we know low-grade inflammation to be at the core of a lot of chronic illness, namely type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's, increased asthma that you're seeing in the world. So the the so the ratio that we're looking for so the optimal ratio is like one to one, but that's probably a bit hard to do. So yeah, even if we have say a one to five or whatever, it's still going to be hard for somebody to know you know what what ratio they're consuming. So what is you know a, an easy way to to do this? As you said, I mean we're not really striving for a one to one. It just doesn't fit the way you know our communities are nowadays, but. If we can get to a one to four, that's one omega three to four omega six, the estimation is that cardiovascular disease, just with that alone, would go down by 30%. That's huge. So, okay, I don't want just going out kind of, you know, getting how how many omega threes am I having right now and how many omega sixes. We don't need to live like that. We just need to recognize where these things are in our diet and make the adjustment. So the first thing that you can do is throw out your vegetable oil. Here I'm talking about safflower oil, sunflower oil, corn oil, canola oil, all of these, go and get them and throw them in the bin. They are with their being very high in omega-6 fatty acids. They are pro-inflammatory, but they're also open to a lot of oxidation. So just think, you go into your supermarket and you go to buy some vegetable oil. It's sitting on the shelf, exposed to light, in a plastic container, so it's already oxidised before you even go and cook with it. And people often, especially if you go out and you have some um, 
fish and chips or whatever you eat, that vegetable oil that they're cooking in because it's cheap is being heated over and over again. It is virtually a vat of inflammation. So we need to be throwing out that vegetable oil and replacing it with the more heat-stable, low-oxidising oils. And here we're talking about coconut oil, which is a saturated fat, cooked with your butter. Beautiful taste. You know, we're going to actually make your diet a lot more tastier. So there, you, you know, and then olive oil. But when you use olive oil, it is a monounsaturated fat, so don't make the heat too high, just a medium heat. And immediately here, you are reducing your intake of omega-6 fatty acids and increasing your omega-3s. Incorporate fatty fish into your diet, you know, your salmon, your mackerel, your sardines, getting those into your diets, having some, some nuts, get avocado back on your plate, um, olives, you know, like these are your beautiful monounsaturated fats. And it's funny because most of the things you're talking about are from the Mediterranean diet, which, you know, which has been named as pretty much the healthiest cuisine that you can get on the planet. And you just went to one for your birthday yesterday. You went to the, a Mediterranean restaurant. And so what was the food like there? Absolutely beautiful. Just home cooked, full of lovely lashings of um, vinegars, olive oils, olives. And I had beautiful barramundi. So, well, yeah, like I think the you know the big power moves for people is what you've just said is to throw out, stop cooking with those bad oils, and use go buy some coconut oil and some olive oil. So you have those two in your pantry or your cupboard, and also to start eating fish more regularly because. You know, I think most people don't eat, eat enough of it. And, you know, that, that's high in omega-3 uh, fatty acids. And um, start looking at some of the Mediterranean recipes because they're really tasty and they're very, very good for you. Of course, just be mindful of some of the, the pasta dishes uh, for your recovery purpose. You know, it's, it's definitely something you can have later on. But in the first instance, if you're wanting to reverse diabetes, it's probably better to stay away from, from, the pasta, from the pastas. Not that we need any more proof, I don't think, but I just have to throw these stats at you because I just found them amazing. In the US, between 1910 and 1970, animal fat was decreased by 20%. Butter even decreased more because butter got replaced by margarine. And I forgot to say that. If you've got margarine in the fridge, go and put it in the bin. At the same time, margarine, safflower oil, corn oil, canola oil, all those vegetable oils increased by over 400%. I'm just going to say that again. They increased over 400%. They had not been really a part of our diet up until then. And this was pushed by the agricultural industry. You know, they wanted to have somewhere to put their grains. So put it into vegetable oil. At the same time, sugar increased by 60%. In this period, 1910 to 1970, we saw an exponential increase in heart disease. That's just astounding, isn't it? I want to just talk to you about, and I'd like to refer you to somebody I hold in very high esteem, Dr. Asim Malhotra. And if you, have, um, if you want to see any more information, go and look at his documentary, The Big Fat Fix. It's really fantastic. And he's Basically, his message is to adopt a Mediterranean-style diet with 
you know, lashings of olive oil and, and all the other beautiful food that's found in that. And what he stated was that it's the polyphenols. Now, polyphenols are your antioxidants and the omega-3 fatty acids that help reduce thrombosis and reduce inflammation. And these are the things that lead to heart disease. So he's not saying saturated fats. He's saying embrace saturated fats, but also embrace these polyphenols and omega-3 fatty acids. And he's a cardiologist. Absolutely. I didn't mention that, but he is an esteemed cardiologist in the UK. And he is on an absolute mission. He's trying to educate everybody. And, you know, I think it's just marvellous. These are the type of people that we need at the forefront if we're going to get any kind of change happening. He said that through his findings, people reverse the condition of cardiovascular disease through adopting a Mediterranean-style diet. So it's not just preventable, but you actually improve the condition. And it was something crazy, like within three or four weeks, you could start to notice the difference. Pretty amazing. That's right. How powerful is that? Very. You know, this man, he is, he's so enthused about changing things that, that himself with a, lot of, with a few other specialists have got this lobbying group together and it's called Action on Sugar. And they are actually trying to persuade the food industry to decrease the sugar in their processed foods. You know, this is the type of action we need if we're going to see a change. 100%. That is exactly what we do need. We need the, the big companies that are they're making them to have a purpose to not put it in there. And then if it's not on the, the, the shelves, people won't be eating it. Now, what about, just briefly, what about the, the French paradox? Because you know, this is a big one and we haven't mentioned it. So can you talk about that? Yeah, now the French paradox, that's a really interesting one. I actually travelled in France about four years ago and I just looked at the way they ate, but I also looked at the way they lived. And um, it was very interesting because the French, they turned up their nose at all these, um, these dietary guidelines. They weren't, we're not going to stop cooking with butter and having, you know, lots of fats in our diet and drinking our red wine. And so um, they just pursued their normal type of cuisine and, and traditionally had low levels of heart disease. And so they all they were looking for the reason. They went, oh, it's the red wine. And, okay, red wine has got a lot of antioxidants in it and it's very good for you. But we now know that it wasn't just the red wine. It was the fact that the whole paradigm was incorrect in the first place and that the the fats were not the issue and I just want to mention when I was over in France I found it absolutely amazing I was traveling through the countryside and you know for about three hours of the day all the shops closed the bakeries closed the pharmacies closed and everybody went and sat down and they were eating a good healthy meal and they were relaxing. They knew how to take care of themselves. So I came home and I put it on my Facebook page, you know, okay, the French paradox is about the way they eat and it is about their red wine. But you know what? It's about how they control their stress. Yeah. I was, That's very fascinating to me. I was me. just thinking that 
what would I do with three hours in the middle of the day where I could just chill wow. out and do that? That would be awesome. Well, if I close my pharmacy for three hours in the day, I'd have probably a riot in the streets. <laughs> We're just not, we just expect 24-7 service. But then you'd probably have you know? a 1,000 of your patients at the door waiting for their scripts as well and you wouldn't get out yes, until 12 you at know, night. Like, we just adopted the, this, you know, idea of 24-7 service. And you know what? At first I went, well, where am I going to go and buy, buy my lunch? Everything's shut. But you know what? Within a day I had ad- adapted to it. I knew that that's what happened. Now, what was the, the statistic but, um, comparing a town in France to the United States in terms of their cardiovascular mortality? Yeah, well, this is the town of Gascony in France, and this is where your uh, duck liver pate came from. So they have a very high-fat diet, and they they looked at middle-aged men, and the statistics for Gascony were 80 deaths per 100,000 from cardiovascular disease. Now, you compare that to the U.S., where it is 315 deaths per 100,000 middle-aged men. So you can see there's something very wrong there. It's a big difference. Big difference. So all this information is great, but there is still one little thing that's there that I know that some people will be thinking, but what about this? And that is cholesterol. Because people will say, oh, yeah, but it's cholesterol that causes cardiovascular disease. So that's a very big topic and one that's very poorly understood. And the, the current medical model that we are following is, is really antiquated. So we're going to go into that and really unpack that and look at the studies once again, the statistics, and really give you a good hand on that. And so we'll do that the next podcast because you know, it would be good to have that flow from this. But, you know, just in case anybody was listening and they were saying, well, thinking to themselves, you haven't spoken about cholesterol. Well, that's okay. There's method to our madness. We've got that next. So take home messages, Suzanne. It's just some punchy little points people can take home with them. So my number one is embrace fats. Embrace your saturated, monounsaturated fats. So this is your coconut oil, your butter, your olive oil your avocado, your olives, you know, all of those beautiful foods. The number one is get rid of low-fat foods. Just do not buy them. I keep going into friends' houses and I've told them about fats and they're still buying low-fat. You know, it's so difficult to get this message across. Get rid of your low-fat stuff. Eat full-fat foods. Get the balance of your omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. Right. So here we're talking about eating more fish, uh, flax seeds, some nuts, throw out your vegetable oils. And also, like, if you can, buy grass-fed meat because that has a higher uh, concentration of omega-3. Yes, thank you very much, Patrick. I actually missed that point because that's really important. If you're eating meat that is fed with uh, grain, it's high in omega-6 fatty acids because that's what grains are full of. If you're eating meat that is grass-fed, then it's high in omega-3 fatty acids. So that's really important. 
My other really big take-home message is throw out your vegetable oils. Just do not use them. This is your sunflower oil, your safflower oil, your corn oil, and replace it with those other beautiful oils that we've talked about. And so also with that, understand that when you do eat out at restaurants and takeaway, they will most likely be using the cheap oils because, you know, it's it's you know, it's going to cost more money, you know, for them if they're using olive oil and they probably don't even understand anyway. So you'll have to understand that. So really, you should be minimizing the amount of times that you're eating takeaway anyway. But if you love to go out and have fine dining all the time, um, I don't know, but I would say they're probably using <laughs> vegetable oil. So you're going to need to up the ante with your omega-3 to bring that balance back in. All right. So, well, thanks, Suzanne. And thank you for everybody listening. This has been Diabetes Freedom, episode 10. And the next episode, we will be debunking the cholesterol myth. For more information, you can visit our website, puranutrients.com. This is the Diabetes Freedom Podcast, proudly brought to you by puranutrients.com, the type 2 diabetes specialists. Here we discuss the latest science to treat, prevent, and reverse type 2 diabetes naturally, so you can reclaim your health for a long, healthy, and happy life.